1: Plushcare.com slash weight loss.
2: Before we get into the podcast proper, this is just a quick note to acknowledge the Black Lives Matter movement.
3: And to acknowledge the brave individuals currently protesting around the world, particularly in light of such difficult circumstances. You have our full support. Hello and welcome to Burn the Witch. A podcast that explores the way history is used and abused today.
2: In this podcast, we're going to share with you some of our favourite things that are circulating the world of history at the
3: moment and share our thoughts on how history can be made more accessible to everybody. Women sharing thoughts? Never. Burn the witches. I'm Helen Carr, historian, writer,
2: and documentary producer. And I'm Rebecca Radeel, historian, author, and podcaster.
3: Rebecca what have you been up to in lockdown? I reckon I've been up to
2: pretty much the same as you writing or trying trying to write trying to homeschool trying to stop myself going mad and with boredom and keeping tabs on all the elderly family members um at the same time um yeah that's pretty much it how about
3: you? Yeah same I found the writing quite difficult even though it feels like it should be the optimum time but also just exhausting I mean having Having your family around full-time is amazing, but it's also absolutely knackering. Um, my daughter's sort of running around like a mad toddler. which well, she is a mad toddler. But, um, yeah. So that's, that's, that's quite... Cute. That's cute. So that's quite hard work. But otherwise, um, I've actually... Yeah, I've been enjoying the time to think on things a lot more, though. That has that has been one positive. Um, mm. And something else as well. I mean, I've really liked some of the TV that has been coming out of lockdown. I have deviated, of course, from the history, but that's what, not what I'm going to talk about today. The BBC <laughs> have been putting out um, some really cool stuff, actually, from their archive. And one that I discovered that another... I, I, see, I don't know if this is a new series or whether it was a series that was released in 2018. I think it was originally released in 2018, but I've only just discovered it. And it is called Monkman and Seagulls Genius Adventures. So this is basically Monkman and Seagull. So they were two... They were on University Challenge? Yes, they were two contestants on yeah, University okay. Challenge. Um, and they actually met on University Challenge in 2017. And they, it's a series mm. where they basically travel around Britain retracing the Industrial Revolution. And they drive around in this, this blue Mini. And I just really like them as a pair. <laughs> and I like the concept. And they're so entertaining. And I like that they take the history seriously though and they they do inject like a genuine passion um into into each each subject and um the journalist rachel cook wrote for new statesman um about this. she reviewed it and i, I just wanted to read this one bit because i think this sort of <laughs> really nailed it go on then monkman who is from ontario and seagull who's from newham met when they each captained teams on university challenge in 2017 Since then, alongside academic careers, they've parlayed their famously cheery nerdishness into a nice little line in radio and TV. As a double act, they bring to mind Morgman Wise. They obviously, they're somewhat less funny. Their manners, like their (laughs) clothes, are quaint, which makes them seem older than they are. Both are in their thirties. But they're weirdly juvenile. Which would you rather fight, Seagull asked Monkman, as they drove their blue Mini down the country lane? 100 duck-sized horses or one horse-sized duck? Monkman (laughs) took the question very seriously not even allowing himself to be distracted by the haribo in the glove compartment one horse-sized duck he said finally after a period spent gazing at the horizon (laughs) Um, oh my god (laughs) I need to watch this (laughs) it's brilliant and they do dress up so there is this element of the sort of Lucy Worsley documentary about it but they also quite seriously look at the development of the Industrial Revolution in the Victorian period um, they visit cotton mills and they look how the steam engine grew and they also sort of look at developments like the hot air balloon as well as charles darwin and how the theory of darwinism sort of took took mm. took root so i think it's it's really fun and it's very very bbc too, but it's a really nice sort of light way of of looking at history and and it's narrated by simon callow which is always brilliant well, he has literally
2: got the best voice, hasn't he? I think him and Brian Blessed. I think they need to have that kind of like narration off, don't they? And see who's got see who can do better because I think, yeah, if any if I ever had anything made about my life, I'd like them to be the narrators. Yeah. Yeah. Together. They can like take it in turns, one sentence each. And it's just like it'll just get increasingly louder and louder, I reckon. <laughs> When they're doing they like theater voices.
3: <laughs> well this is this is quite theatrical and that's what I quite like about it. but it is, I mean it is accessible and it's fun. And I just think as a duo, they work really well. Yeah, and I, I really like the fact that they met on University Challenge. Did you did you watch them on that?
2: I, I don't think I did. I think I just saw like the aftermath because they came kind of like cult hits, didn't they? But I don't think I actually saw them on the program. But I do remember their faces because I think is it Monkman that's got the very serious
3: yeah, face. Yeah. He wears he's glasses. He
2: just he looks like he does look like he's angry with you, but I think that's his natural <laughs> facial expression, isn't
3: it? Yeah. <laughs> but they um yeah. Well, this is yeah, they I think they're brilliant on this and um I think they it is it's really innovative and and I don't think that there's actually been anything that BBC have done on the Industrial Revolution that's quite as light-hearted. And I think it works really well, especially especially in lockdown at the moment. I think it's a really nice re-release. Well, talking
2: about talking about Industrial Revolution and things that are on TV. Now, I don't know. I have to, you know, be honest here. I don't know if this actually exists. But like you, Helen, and probably more so, I'm a massive. Twitter fiend so I'm always on it and I'm always following people and one of the people I follow is the creator of Endeavour the ITV series Mm. about um, early Inspector Morse and he tweeted something yesterday um, about a a new series called Chris Tarrant's Extreme Railway Journeys and he's joked here that (laughs) what's next Like, are we going to have like near death ballooning (laughs) and I thought well maybe like you know Michael Portillo doing real Russian roulette or something but it's like there's a certain type of pro isn't there on tv where they literally just get a really an older in the politest possible way gentleman that has a certain type of accent doing something about railways and being really really non-pc about it and it is i just i really don't like these programs at all and i wish they just get rid of them and do something else but it's just it's hilarious like the depths that they go to try and make something work it reminds me of that Alan Partridge thing. Oh no, um, god, I remember that. That's it. <laughs> yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> Youth hustling yeah. with Chris Eubank or whatever it was. <laughs> um But I reckon on the TV front, we cannot speak. Well, we need actually we need to talk about one more factual programme first, I think, before we get onto the big yeah, yeah. the big show that we're both obsessed with. Um, so um David Olah got his latest series of A House Through Time that's on at the moment. And I think we're two episodes in. Um, and I sat down the other night, re- ready to watch it. I'd got myself a nice glass of wine. I'd made sure that, um, you know, Sam, my husband, was aware that I was watching something on our big telly. And I sat down and I realised it was the wrong day. Now, any other time oh, that would be yeah. fine. But because it's like lockdown, like you look forward to small things. But anyway, I watched it the day after the second episode. And it's so good,
3: isn't it? I've actually not seen it yet. I really what? need to. I've not. And um, I'm actually, yeah, I've I've been kind of watching all of the stuff that's not history. Um, <laughs> which I've just yeah. finished. But that is on my list. That is on my list to watch. Um, no, you I... should. You should. You should. Can she... I give you some reasons? Yes. It's...
2: Really well made. So I'm not actually sure who the... Oh, actually, no, it's 2020. But usually okay. it's the type of programme that you'd imagine the makers of um, Who Do You Think You Are? and Long Lost Family Making, which is a company called Wall to Wall. But it's made, It's that same kind of feeling. And it does what it says on the tin. So he he selects one house in a city with a particularly idiosyncratic history. And traces the life of that house through the people that have lived there and it's it's fascinating the last episode was quite moving so there were a few and I won't give anything away because I do think if anybody is ever listening to this pilot episode of our podcast they mm-hmm. um, they should catch up with it um but it's it's just really well made and I love the way that David Oloshoga acknowledges the fact that, that you know it's a team effort doing the research. He's always saying, "We found this in the archives. Mm. We discovered this. It's never me, me, me. I, I, I." And I think it's a nice way of doing it
3: because he he did it with because um, I know they produced a book for the series. He and Melanie back cancer because mm-hmm. I did a podcast with Mel about a year ago almost. Yeah she actually came to my house and we talked about the history of my house which is great yeah it wasn't there wasn't a lot Um, but um, but it was really fun and I do I love I do love the concept of it and it again anything that makes history relatable to people and sparks that initial interest whether it's um ancestral history but your house history this I think that's brilliant just the idea of people who have come before you and how those walls those four walls have contained their lives and and what we can learn from that I think it's amazing and there are probably I I can imagine there are so many sort of little clues um it's quite just sort of detective isn't it there's so many little clues in one's house to kind of tell you about about its past so, just one final thing on the um,
2: on the TV front. Um, we are going to talk about something a bit later on, but um, I noticed today that the BAFTA Television nominations have come out, and I find it interesting that the two shows that are leading the nominations are Chernobyl mm, or Chernobyl. Mm. I always get get it wrong. That's got fourteen nominations, and The Crown has got seven as well. So. People are still loving history, aren't they? Yeah, 20th century history, but they're still loving it. Yeah,
3: there's been a real push actually for for 20th century history kind of in telly world. I think people are looking for that that short but exciting story that you can spread out into a long series or um a long documentary yeah. that really kind of analyzes things from a very from a very forensic perspective.
2: Yeah. I think you're right. And also in lockdown, I mean, let's be honest, it's easier to make programmes about 20th century history because you can access all the archive footage, whereas anything before that, it's
3: really difficult to make something visual, yeah, is before that point? absolutely. And also you have, if you want to look at something in intense detail you've got so much more material at your fingertips if you're looking at 20th century history that's why mm-hmm. nothing from the middle ages is going to get commissioned
2: yes. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I, don't, I think I'll be waiting a long while to have a plague drama now I think people have lost their appetite <laughs> for it <laughs> we'll
3: make one one day okay. <laughs> other than telly I have been I mean I'm not on twitter all that much I really need to get better at that I'm I'm a bit of a granny when it comes to Twitter, but um one thing that I did find, which I really loved, is this hashtag #MuseumsUnlocked. Um, mm. I don't know if you've heard of it, but it's it's run by Professor Dan Hicks, who's Professor of Contemporary Archaeology at Oxford Union. He's a curator at Pitt Rivers, and he basically set this up in lockdown to try and help sort of reevaluate the way museums share their collections. And he puts it really well, and I actually think this could this could you know move. Forward beyond lockdown when museums reopen because he he argues that it it forms like a multiversal museum rather than you know having collections held within this handful of metropolitan institutions so it allows yeah. everybody to access sort of our collective cultural heritage so the idea is that that hashtag museums unlocked encourages visitors and, and museums to share a photograph or a memory or information about part of their collection every day. So anyone in the world can can actually access it, which I think is really nice. And I want to talk about this today because it ends on the 9th of July. But oh, it's all okay. on his Twitter page. So if you if you search hashtag museums unlocked, all of the all of the information's on there.
2: Oh well that does sound that does sound really interesting. There's another there's another guy doing um some amazing museum stuff as well i forget whether it's called museums at home or mu- museums from home but he's called dan vo and he he leads actually they're award-winning lgbtq museum tours normally he does them at the V&A and somewhere else i think it might be Cambridge but I could be wrong but he does anyway he organizes these amazing um tours but he's been doing thing he's been doing these short videos from his home while um we've been in lockdown just interviewing people about their favorite objects and what they like and love about museums and and stuff like that and it's just the videos are really they're just really nice and I think it's it's good to help build a sense of a sense of Community, particularly for people that have been perhaps in lockdown on their own. So it's a, you know, there's another nice series of videos to see there. But have you been doing any of the like virtual museum tours and stuff, Helen?
3: No, I haven't. But one thing that I have been wanting to, and I actually only really now have the time to start doing this, is talks. And that's something, as you quite rightly say, might be good for people who are in lockdown on their own. Um, Mm. So the National Archives are doing some really great tours. Actually, a bunch of them um, have already sold out and they've got another date on for one that was particularly popular, which is called Shut Up, Quarantine and Social Distancing during Tudor epidemics. Oh, right. That looks really, really interesting. And that's on 17th June at 11am. For anyone who wants to sign up, that's like an additional date because it was so popular. And they've got a lovely one as well, which is Caribbean Connections, which is on the 19th of June. And that's all about researching and how you research um, Caribbean migration using and and both obviously using the resources that the National Archives have and they have so much online it's I think it's just brilliant it's a website that to be honest that you could just spend so much time on and and watch all sorts of videos and they've got some great content so that's always that's always worth looking into actually I think and I need to do a bit more of that because I mean like like you I've I rely so heavily on on the archives the National Archives and not being able to actually go there in person I've definitely been kind of scouring their websites a little bit harder than usual. Yeah,
2: it's it's hard, isn't it? I I there are certain things that I literally can't do at the moment but um just go going back to these virtual things so i like you i've not really done many of the virtual tours although i did watch the the british museum well they had on their youtube channel a program that they'd made to tie in with their pompeii exhibition that they had a few years ago which weirdly was oh this was so annoying at the time so i had my honeymoon in 2013 just after my wedding funnily enough um (laughs) and uh, my husband and i went on a kind of road trip around around um, southern France and um, Italy and our aim was to get to Naples because that's where his family are from. Um, we, We got to Naples and or Napoli and we also went to Pompeii and had a look around there but Pompeii was obviously it's amazing and you go there to look at, you know walk down the streets and all it's of that it's also business. massive I it's never realised yeah, yeah. how big it was it's, it's huge but they didn't have the objects and artefacts it seemed to be kind of lacking and I was thinking what on earth like why why aren't these things here and then when I got home afterwards I found out that there was a blooming <laughs> a big exhibition at the British Museum so <laughs> I'd gone all the way to Pompeii <laughs> to see to see these amazing things but they were in London the whole time <laughs> So um yeah that was our that's on youtube though and it's really interesting Bethany Hughes is doing it and the other thing as well is the globe if you like theater they've got some they're kind of rebroadcasting loads of their previous productions i did go on there looking for the Nell Gwyn one Nell Gwyn oh, musical but it's not there but um it's it's really good and also sorry to push these two things in because they're not entirely history related but Chester Zoo at the moment, which is my local zoo, but it's also the, the best zoo in the UK and one of the best in the whole world. And I know people have problems with the ethics of zoos, but it is a leader in conservation and protection. It's in trouble financially, but they've been doing so much during lockdown to engage children in virtual tours of the zoo and things. So if you fancy, you know, supporting it, you you can do. I also did <laughs> I did this murder mystery thing have you seen any of these like adverts going out Helen? No. like oh my god so it was like so obviously I've always wanted to do a murder mystery tour or like a murder mystery dinner
3: have you ever done one I did years and years ago when my when I was probably about 13 and my friend's mum served as WKD in cocktail glasses <laughs>
2: <laughs> was it good did you figure out who
3: the killer was I think so if we oh. were dr- underage drunk my That's on sugar which is mainly what wkd is comprised of can i just point out
2: <laughs> yeah yeah sugar and food coloring yeah um so i so i've always wanted to do one and i still want to do a real one but there was this thing advertised where you could do like a virtual sherlock holmes murder mystery and um i signed up to do it It was only like a tenner so my husband and me we did it and it was so rubbish <laughs>
3: oh no that's so disappointing
2: (laughs) but in a really funny way they had these actors and it was on zoom and the actors were just like the connection was really crap so (laughs) we were just kind of like trying to listen to what their testimony was and then you were like um sorted into smaller groups and obviously there were people that were taking it really seriously and like hammering these um actors with questions and oh it was just it was a mess and it the the real murderer was uh, you would never have thought it but anyway yeah so that's another thing that i've been doing
3: i have been woeful at um, at doing things online then that's pretty bad but going back to the globe thing i should point this out because i would genuinely forget to say it otherwise um when everything does open up again i don't know if they're doing anything virtually but um if have you ever been to the sam Wanamaker playhouse
2: no I've been to the other one I've been to the main globe bit, but I've not been to the Sam Wanamaker maker yeah. section so
3: I had never knew about this and I went a few couple of years ago and it was amazing you would love it it's tiny like mm. really really tiny imagine the globe like like minus by 20 it's it's teeny tiny but it's got all of these really low hanging chandeliers with all candle like long kind of pillar pillar candles yeah it's just incredible and i watched what did i watch i watched Marlowe play there and it was it was brilliant so if you ever get a chance to to go there definitely look out for what's on because that i found way more atmospheric than the globe actually oh right oh yeah i love the globe i saw dr dr faustus Ah. Dr. Faustus. Yeah, the Globe, you have to stand if you go to the Globe. You have to get a beer and you have to stand. Yeah. Isn't
2: it? I do like that it's cheap. You can, I yeah. mean, you can pay a it's bit fiver. more if you want to go in the stalls, you, but yeah, you can get tickets for a fiver. And I think that's really good in London to see quality performance yeah, Definitely, definitely. For a fiver. It just makes it really accessible. But with them, um, Dr. Faustus, was that the RSC? Production then I'm assuming. No, it wouldn't have been if it was the
3: Globe. No, it was it was yeah, it was at the Globe. It was in the Sam Wanna Make a Playhouse. But it was Mm. it was just so good and it was so atmospheric and it's definitely it's not as well known as The Globe and people don't kind of you know, the Globe's got its its history and its fame and actually but it is so worth going to see something there because I think I think you'd really enjoy it. It's very um gothic.
2: Oh, okay. Well that's on my list now then. We have got a biggie haven't we to talk
3: about yeah. well not a biggie oh but one that we're both obsessed with do I you know. want to start the last kingdom oh. ah. did you know i didn't know this having a fact little fact it all began because bernard cornwall discovered he was descended from the earl of northumbria Utrud the bold oh my god That's can we just say Uhtred of Denver <laughs> sadly does not exist <laughs> He
2: does exist, Helen. I've seen him Sorry. on TV Frequently. And we see a lot of him on TV. Right, we have to confess here, and this is bad. This is really bad, but I think if we confess it hmm. and we're upfront about it and we don't skirt around the issue, I don't think it's as bad. <laughs> we objectify Utred of Beverly. <laughs>
3: Yes, but I think a lot of guys do as well, you know. I don't think it's just, like, a kind of, like... I don't think it's a purely heterosexual thing. I think there's a lot of sexiness going on with Eutred. I think, like, my my husband definitely... He can definitely understand.
2: He's horrible. Like, you would never actually want to be his wife, but he's just such a good character, and I love how charismatic he is and funny and, yeah,
3: handsome and... (laughs) (laughs) I know he's sort but, of yeah he he's yeah. he's the, he's the classic bad boy, but he's also really good. So yeah.
2: he's kind of like, <laughs> but we should we should say it is actually like ignore all of that, all of w- what what I've just said and Helen's just said because it is actually a really really good show as well. Yeah.
3: yeah. It is, and I really think that the um I think they've stayed i think they've stayed true to history in many ways, and I love the way um I love the way it's all portrayed, and I think i love I love the set, I love the costumes. I think that the characters are really, really good, and they've actually—I think—believe Uhtred is probably one of the only. I'm going to be pulled up on this, but one of the only fictional characters in it. Actually, I think that you know, Alfred was real, Ethelfled was real, Ethelred, Ethel rolled all the Ethels, all, all the, the Ethels, Ethels are real. They're all real, um, and all real characters. And you know, Ethelfled, the Lady of Mercia, who was such a strong character, she did actually have a really proactive role in Mercia, and she did actually go to battle and 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 succeeded alongside her brother Edward. And actually I didn't realize this Alfred was apparently quite sick for most of his life, and it's thought now, like, historians think that he might have had Crohn's disease.
4: A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend, but what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com.
1: That's stamps.com. Code program.
2: Oh, okay. So I think that's quite well. Do you know what I I, I found hilarious, actually? This is a little bit of a tangent. But you know when they found Richard III in the car park? I was (laughs) still working in TV then, like full time. And I remember everyone was like, "Right, which king can we find now? <laughs> Who no. else is buried somewhere?" And everyone went after Alfred the Great, and because we don't we, we don't have a body for him because he was buried in Winchester Cathedral. Um, yeah, I think and so. then it's moved around a little bit since then. But they found these like two. That co- I'm going to be corrected, but they found these like two bones and tested them, and they were like, "It could be him. Could be his son." Could be his nephew. <laughs> and it's like the BBC made a whole documentary out of these like two tiny bones that they'd found just because Richard the Third had been such a hit. But anyway, that's a that's a tangent. But we st- we still don't know for sure where he is.
3: But he is a great character. He's a really interesting character, and um, is especially because he wasn't actually in line originally to be king. Um, it no. was only because his brothers before him had, had died that he was actually. I think he was actually quite far down the succession. I think he was like fifth,
2: but then it was like that, wasn't it? Then well, this is the thing. I don't know that much about that period, so this is why I really like the show because I'm not watching it from the point of view of a historian. I'm just watching it because it's a really good drama, and it's you know Mm, the battles mm, are great. mm. As you said, the characters are fantastic
3: as well, and and, you know female
2: characters are really good. Yes, script's really good. Yeah,
3: Um, destiny is all. No, I know, I, I never actually called it the Last Kingdom. I would always be say to say to my husband, Do you want to watch Uhtred, son of Utrid tonight? <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, but it, that's it, isn't it? It's
3: Uhtred, <laughs> son of Utrid. You can't help but
2: try and do the accent. Talking know, about accents, talking about accents, oh my god. So I think I text you, well, I did text mm. you this. Yeah. The Last Kingdom podcast. There is a podcast. I know. So this is the interesting thing. Like I'm not gonna give anything away. Let's be honest, there isn't that much to give away. It's just a, a conversational type thing <laughs> with three of the lead gentlemen. I don't know why I'm saying gentlemen to make it seem a little bit less like I'm being a total perv. But um, it, it, the podcast is really funny. But the Irish character in The Last Kingdom, the
3: the actor playing him isn't Irish. He's Scottish. Why did they portray him as an Irishman then? That's interesting. Is that because... not Maybe that's because there was more Viking activity. I could be so wrong on this, but there could there's more Viking activity in Ireland at the time and there was also I mean at this point, as you see in the in the fourth season, there's um, there's a skirmish with the with the Scots or the Picts as they were yeah. at that point. So maybe that's why? I don't know historically. Yeah, maybe he
2: needed to not be Scottish. Or they were reason. channeling
3: or they were channelling a brave heart vibe.
2: Yeah, maybe. So that's so that's the first thing. But then Utrid the actor that plays him, Alexander Draymond, I think his name is. I say yeah. I think his name is, I don't know his you name. Know. Is
3: that.
2: <laughs> <laughs> he is, he's German, but his accent isn't really anything like utrid 's He's got a slightly
3: American accent. So, yeah. I did hear, because you sent it to me and I listened to sort of the first two minutes before I was summoned by my um, dictator toddler, um, yeah. but, um and you're right it was really weird listening to his voice because you could definitely tell it was him but it was like oh i'm not used to that
2: yeah exactly so he obviously does works really well on his accent so not only is he very handsome he's a man of many talents yes <laughs> <laughs> Whatever.
3: episode one everyone episode one is it opens very well yeah
2: do watch do watch if you've not already you will love it you will For many reasons.
3: Moving on, but kind of segueing very seamlessly, I do love the look of the men in The Last Kingdom, and that's something that I feel a lot of men at the moment in lockdown are trying to channel through the the growth of beards. So this is a real sort of Viking look, and actually my husband's got one at the moment, and he says he's going for the Ragnar Lothbrok. And I wonder (laughs) if, like... If guys, if men are going to go back to barbers at the end of this and being like, can you just can you just trim me a bit more like Uhtred of Bevingburh, or can you put some beads in that? I think they should. <laughs> I think <laughs> they should. So. I know because I think it's interesting because Viking ap- for the Vikings apparently men did, mostly did have beards, but actually if they were warriors they were always a bit shorter, which was practical. Which you know it makes sense.
2: So hang on, they were shorter. Why? Why yeah. is that practical?
3: Well, I guess they wouldn't get in the way of battle, would they? Entangle in your. Thing. Well, if, like, so, ducking
2: down and. Well, they wouldn't need to duck down, would they, if they were shorter?
3: But, like. I don't know. Are you tangled in your axe?
2: Oh. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to have to. We'll, we'll have to figure this one out for next time. I, do, I don't think you've got enough information there, Helen. <laughs> but I, did I think it's find- a good fact,
3: but it's not. You haven't got the depth. <laughs> I did find one of the sagas does go, into, does go into men's hair. And this is definitely something I want to talk about later because I don't know if you've watched this show, but I do love Vikings. It's brilliant. And this talks about King Harald of Norway, who's actually one of the main characters in Vikings. Yeah. And so I just wanted to read a little bit about the saga. So one well-known Viking saga deals with the hair of Harald, King of Norway, who is known as Fairhair. Harald wanted to court Gida, daughter of a king in Hordaland. But she told his representative she would not wed a king who ruled such a small kingdom. Harold then resolved he would conquer all of Norway and announced he would not cut or even comb his hair until he attained that goal. His blonde hair grew quite long and people began calling him King Harold, the fair hair. So maybe maybe the beards that are being grown in lockdown could have some kind of, I don't know, equal story yeah broadcast. or we could just like
2: name our we could name our our men yeah, like give them hair. extra part like my tangle hair Sa- sam the big beard or um <laughs> the great bushy beard <laughs> yeah i think i think this is a this is an idea but what about us like what can what can we be i can be rebecca the roots <laughs> because I I they're be. terrible i what can, can you be, be
3: helen the hermione granger yeah that's it because I actually okay. I actually have naturally really curly hair and I've had to embrace it in lockdown so it's all,
2: all good historians have curly hair I've noticed this I don't know what it is I don't so I'm not claiming to be a good
3: historian but you have
2: curly hair then Susanna Lipscomb has
3: true I'm gonna why I'm gonna emerge from lockdown though, and I'll they'll be like, oh yeah, okay, whatever. Just still another historian with cut hair. It's like no, no, it was there <laughs> all along.
2: <laughs> yeah, I think you you're just copying, aren't you?
3: <laughs> but that is my that is my silly little random fact. I'm going to leave my my um, hair knowledge
1: there.
2: Well, I think that's good. I, I've got one final thing to mention, which I meant to mention before. Um And it's about a story I saw in the news this week and I just thought it was quite fun but also annoying too. So some of Isaac Newton's papers are going to be auctioned. I can't remember which auction house is doing it, not that it matters because there's no way I'd be able to afford it, but um, the papers talk about plague remedies that he had been scribbling down on um, notes, you know, as notes on another, another document and one of his remedies was to turn toad vomit into a lozenge and ingest that which is you know delightful but very very 17th century but it made me think about things that are in private collections and all the stuff that we don't know about but's hidden away and you know could change the way we think about certain historical people or even events in history and then it made me angry and it made me think people shouldn't own things privately and then I got a bit communist about it all and thought that you know everything should be available
3: to everyone and why not so Helen what your thoughts on that hey? (laughs) (laughs) I feel quite strongly about that, actually. Um, I used to work for a well-known, I'm not going to the name, but I used to work for a well-known auction house. Mm -hmm. And that was one of the things that I really struggled with because I was fortunate enough to see some amazing art that went through private sale. And a lot of these private sales, I have to admit, were they were acquisitions for museums, and I totally find that. Or they were bought privately and then they were given to a museum as a donation. That is brilliant that's that for me is really philanthropic and I think that that's a, a, a wonderful way to um for somebody to share their wealth however I did see things go through um to private ownership and i it made me really sad and I found the I found the fact that it was such a commodity really hard and so I yeah I realized it wasn't really for me
2: oh, so yeah well I wonder I wonder what else is out there but that's probably a bit of a downer to leave the podcast on. So tell me something funny, Helen. Tell me a funny story.
3: Say some jokes. <laughs> I don't know. But I do. Okay, one thing I will say is, so this is this was our pilot our pilot episode of Burn the Witch. And the premise is that um, we are friends and we basically decided to make a podcast about things that we genuinely talk about. <laughs> because... Yes
2: but we talk about them in a better order and on you know we have fewer tangents but still quite a few
3: so we're hoping to release these bi-weekly don't hold us to it but that's what we are hoping to do and they're going to be split initially on my podcast hidden histories and your podcast killing time killing time um and we'll see where it goes from there but if people do want to hear anything or want us to discuss something in particular we're always open to suggestions Mm -hmm. just badger
2: us on social media yeah i'm at rebecca radiel and helen what's
3: your handle Um, (laughs) you don't know (laughs) you don't
0: know who you
3: are (laughs) i'm not used to this um i'm at helen h car original good (laughs) i think i am um yeah yes. no i'm at head on h car um but we hope that we hope that everybody has has enjoyed this and i'll come back with a joke next time don't put me on the spot like that i'm really bad at jokes <laughs> i know actually i can do one go on then where it has to wa- be funny where do you weigh whales i don't know a, a whale station oh good god
2: <laughs> yes you can tell that you're a mother to a toddler um, anyway <laughs> thank you for listening everyone
3: thank you for listening and see you in a couple of weeks